Did you come to receive today? All right. Praise the Lord. We have, uh, of course, been working through a series, kind of a mini-series, which probably has already turned into a little longer one than I thought it was going to be, which that kind of sometimes happens. And, uh, but we've been talking about just some basic ways of resisting the enemy. Amen. How many know we have an enemy? Yes. Hallelujah. How many know we have a good God yes. and a bad enemy? Come on now. And uh, sometimes that gets uh, lost. Sometimes people forget about that. Sometimes they're thinking that everything that bad that happens in their life must be God mad at them or some kind of crazy thing like that. But uh, you have to understand we have an enemy. Amen. And uh, so we've been talking about uh, resisting the enemy. And in fact, let's look at our key verse here in chapter 4 of James. In verse 7, it just says, Therefore, submit to God. In fact, the therefore is there because he said he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble uh, or those that submit themselves to him. In other words, there's empowerment to those that submit to him. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and what will happen? The enemy will flee, praise God. So that's the promise. If we submit ourselves to God and then we resist the enemy, amen, the enemy then will flee. So let's look at a couple little references or little uh, uh, definitions here. The word submit just means to be uh, subject to. Uh, it means to yield or to be under obedience to. It's a, a, a word that also means reflectively, okay, uh, which means to be reflective. But what that means is, is that you're just willing to be led. That as God leads, you follow. How many know it works when you follow God? Can I hear a bigger amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It works better when we're led by God. Amen. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. The word resist, okay, it just means to stand against, to oppose, to withstand. Okay, these are some other Bible words used also in in, uh, uh in, in, in English, English words used in the scriptures here that mean the same thing. Also means to counter or to endure, to be constant with. Now, the reason that's, that's the case is because there really is no true endurance without some continuance or without some constancy or endurance. Are you with me? So when we're talking about resisting the enemy, we're not just talking about a one-time thing. I resisted the enemy one time and now uh, I should be devil-free uh, as far as uh, an enemy. And how many know it don't work that way? you got to stay with it, stick with it, praise God. If you will stay with it, and that's the implication here, you keep yourself submitted to God, which obviously it works better, amen, when you're letting God lead you, God direct you, come on, then as we resist the enemy, amen, the Word says He will flee, praise God. But you got to stay with it a little bit. Are you hearing me today? Yeah. We don't tuck tail and run. I said we don't tuck tail and run. We face our enemy. I said we face our enemy. There's nothing to be fearful of. I said there's nothing to be fearful of. We have authority over our enemy. Come on, somebody. But you can't, uh, you know, you can't conquer what you don't confront. And if you're not willing to face your enemy, then he just goes on stealing, killing, and destroying, as we've been finding out in this series. And that's what he does. He does it pretty good. He's a pretty good manipulator, pretty good deceiver. Uh, He's an accuser. Uh, You know, he uh, is a thief. We can go on and on. We kind of went through uh, the very beginning of this thing, went through all the different names that are used. And you'll find that it's primarily, you'll find it in the New Covenant. You won't see a lot about the enemy in the Old Covenant, uh, but you're going to find out a whole lot of truth about him in the New Covenant, okay? And that's why the Scripture says that in the reading of the Old Testament, there's a veil. Uh, but Christ, the veil's taken away in Christ. That's one of the reasons, amen, for that, is that you have an understanding of who your enemy really is. Is anybody still with me? Because a lot of times God got blamed for a lot of things. Come on, somebody. But there's an enemy, and he's a stealer, killer, destroyer. He's a thief. Come on, somebody. He's a devourer. And he will do whatever, whatever uh, if people will not resist him, not oppose him, he'll just keep coming and taking. The enemy is always looking to sit at the dinner table. If you let him in, he'll, he'll, he'll oblige. Before long, he's running the household. You know, the enemy wants to be the one driving the car. You let him in the back seat, if you don't keep him in check, guess what? He pretty soon, in a matter of minutes, he's in the driver's seat. That's just kind of how the enemy works because he's such a manipulator and deceiver. Now, 
I don't say any of these kind of things to somehow glorify the enemy. The idea of this series is to show you there are just basic, simple things that we can do to resist our enemy. Amen. Now, um, for whatever it's worth, um, I think I brought it out last week, I think Mark 4, and talking about the parable of the sower. He talks about that the enemy always comes immediately. I think it's like verse 15 of Mark 4. It says the enemy comes immediately to try to steal what was sown in their heart. Everybody say immediately. Now, the reason that's necessary to understand is because a lot of times you hear teaching like this, and I can't even tell you how many times it's already happened this year. Okay, yeah, I probably about every year I'm going to touch on these kind of things somewhere along the line. But this year again, somebody comes, you know, I started standing and, man, all hell broke loose. Yes. But he's trying to get you to back up and quit. He's trying to steal the seed that was sown in your heart. Amen. Stay with it. Stick with it. Don't back up. Amen. Just because he raised his ugly head. Are you still with me? I put, I think, a reference. I put Nehemiah 4 as a verse that jumped in my spirit this morning. Nehemiah 4 and 14. And, and Nehemiah's talking to, uh, you know, remember he went in there to, to, you know, help rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, and, and uh, of course, there was people that didn't want that to happen, so a lot of people opposed, you know, a lot of the, lot, the enemies sitting there pushing on them and trying to get them to back up and to quit, and he said this, do not be afraid, what he said to them, do not be afraid, remember the Lord great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your houses. Don't back up because the enemy has raised his ugly head. Just because they're trying to intimidate, just because the enemy's shouting things. Remember, he comes as a roaring lion. Doesn't mean he is one, but he makes a lot of noise. He tries to somehow intimidate you. Fight! Stay in it. Amen. And get a victory. Get a breakthrough, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? I've had people tell me, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, antagonize the enemy well he's antagonizing you he's intimidating you he's coming in you know he he's not going to be nice about it and just by ignoring him it doesn't mean the enemy goes away is anybody hearing me have you anybody found that out yet yeah that's just the fact all right so you got to fight everybody say fight Hallelujah. You can't, you can't run. You don't tuck tail and, and run. You face your enemy and fight, praise God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. That's one of the great stories of the Old Covenant, one of those types and shadows for us to learn from, praise God, was about the, his willingness to stay with it and how he stirred the people of God to stay with it, stay in the fight, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing. And guess what? They got a great victory, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I believe that same thing for you and me. Amen. All right, praise God. Let's uh, take a look at this. Now, um, there were several things that we looked at, and I'm just going to briefly touch on them. Uh, we've talked about over the last uh, uh, several weeks here. Uh, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. We found out that that's one of those keys of resistance, okay, is staying, you're staying connected with God. I said staying connected. One of the quickest ways to resist your enemy is stay, amen, connected with your God. That's why he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen. One of the quickest ways to, uh, to move forward in the things of God is to keep moving toward God. Keep drawing near to God. We spent some time talking about that. Praise God. Amen. We'll come back to this verse here in a minute. We talked about casting all your care upon Him. Now, what I did with this series, there's, a, there's probably dozens of ways to resist your enemy. But I pretty much focused on the verses that specifically focus on the fact of resisting the enemy. Okay? That actually say it. And 1 Peter was one of those that said that, amen, that the way to resist your enemy is by casting all your care, your anxieties, fears, worries. Come on, somebody. Amen. That word also means distractions. Are you still with me? A lot of times there are things that just create nothing but distractions. 
Now, we're not saying that everything that distracts you is a bad thing. It's just the fact is that sometimes that's how the enemy works, gets you overloaded, gets you overworked, gets you uh, caught up in everything. Pretty soon, it's all about this and it's all about that. Now I got to take care of this. Now I got to take care of that. And then I have this thing I got to handle. Then the thing next week and then the thing over here. And then I got this and then I got that and then I got this and I got that. And pretty soon, you're so overwhelmed, the enemy just kind of rolls in and takes what he wants to take. A lot of folks just get stole from because they're overwhelmed. So we got to learn to cast the care of things on God. Amen. And this is why it's so, uh, 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 it's so important to keep drawn into God. Stay connected to your true source. God will help you through all the rest of it. Are you still with me? All right, then we took a, uh, some time. We talked about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Look at your neighbor say, put on the whole armor. Hallelujah, the whole armor. If you don't put your armor on, you're an easy target. Every kink in the armor spells out vulnerability for the enemy in your life. Are you hearing me? Now, we talked about that, see, because the armor is very specific. When you look at it, it says, so you can resist your enemy. Put it on. Amen. Hallelujah. So look at your name and say, put it all on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Put on in. Then it talks about the sword of the Spirit. Now that becomes your weapon. Okay. And that weapon is there, praise God, which is the Word of God. It literally means an authoritative declaration. Okay. It means something being spoke. In fact, many times the Scripture talk about Jesus spoke uh, things. It says as a two-edged sword, he would declare the word that was like a two-edged sword that would go in and out of his mouth. Praise God. Amen. Now, you know as well as I do, he didn't have a metal sword in his mouth. But what he was doing was making uh, authoritative declarations. When he said to the sea, be still, it was still. Amen. When he said to the dead, arise, they arose. Amen. When he spoke to the demon, get, they got. Not proper English, but you get the point. Amen. The point is, is that that is exactly how he operated. Amen. And even in the tempt, amount of temptation, the word says he would declare it is written. That's how he dealt with temptation. And he won. How many know that, right? All right. So we talked about the importance of uh, having your mouth involved. Amen. That becomes a weapon. Come on, somebody. Is anybody hearing me? You got by speaking the word of God. Amen. Now, your mouth, you know as well as I do, that can be a weapon. Just You can create World War III with your mouth. Has anybody ever done that in your household? Don't raise your hand. You know as well as I do, your mouth can get you in a lot of trouble. Well, your mouth also can save your bacon. Come on. Amen. By speaking the word of God. Amen. And then not, not getting caught up with everything else. So your mouth becomes a very important thing when it comes time to dealing with your enemy. Last week, we talked about, praise God, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and loving not our, our lives to the death. And we talked about that, talked about pleading the blood, what that means, amen. The word plead just means to declare and to utter, amen, to speak it forth, amen. To plead the blood, we talked about the importance of that. We talked about what it meant uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, by the word of their testimony, what that actually means. Okay, because it's talking about, you know, what you're doing is you're declaring unto the enemy how big your God is. Now, the reason that's so important when we're talking about resisting the enemy is that people have a tendency to go to God to tell God how big their enemy is. And what they'll do is they'll whine to everybody about how big the enemy is. Now, they may not just use the word enemy, but all their problems and their issues is about talking and giving the enemy, come on, magnifying him instead of, you know, going to God and, you know, making declarations, of, or pardon me, going to the enemy in the sense of making declarations of how big your God is. Amen. And so in that, what that represents, amen, is us talking to God about God's the healer, God's the deliverer, God's the provider. And as I brought out last week, is there anybody in the house that God has done anything for? Amen. All seven of you. Let's try that again. Anybody in here, God ever done anything for you? Yeah. So you automatically have something to use as a weapon against your enemy. My God has healed my body. My God has delivered me. My God has provided. My God has shown himself strong in my household. My God has brought peace in a chaotic situation. My God has delivered me from my enemies, and he will do it today. Praise God. 
all of a sudden you got an enemy backing out the door just by making declarations about how big your God is. Amen. Then it talked about loving not our lives even unto death. And uh, many times that gets uh, avoided. A lot of times people don't, you know, pull that up and look at it. But what it's just referring to is being more committed unto God than your own life. Because if you're always about saving your own neck, there's a good chance the enemy can kind of steer you around. You just go all out for God and just say, praise God. I'm serving God. God's got my back. Amen. Okay, lot said, little quick review. Whew. Today, back to uh, James 4, verse 8, please. Back, let's read verse 7 and 8. Are you still with me? Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk about not giving the enemy place, okay? So it says here, verse 7 again, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Now, who's doing the resisting? Uh, who's doing the submitting? Okay, and who's fleeing? The devil, right? Come on. All right, but then it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, all right, which we've talked about. Then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn, weep, and goes on. All right, it's talking about repentance is what it is. But verse 8, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, uh, again, talking about resisting our enemy. So what, what he's talking about here is not giving the enemy place in our lives. So let's define some of this. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. You haven't already shut me off, have you? Nope. All right. Now, here we go. So to cleanse here, what it's talking about is to make oneself clean or to purge. Literally means to make free from impurities. Okay? Is what it's talking about. And he's talking about your hands. What he's talking about, literally, when you look up the word, it's talking about instruments of power. Okay, but what he's talking about, cleansing your hands in the sense of you, it's time for you to make some choices. Right. The things that are in your hands to, take, to choose, you've got to make right choices. And it's time to eliminate some of the impurities. Why is that? Because it becomes a place for the enemy to come in. Right. Anybody hearing me? Yeah. See, there's a lot of things that sometimes we just open the door for the enemy. So one of those things is, is making proper choices to keep ourselves clean, amen, from certain things. Now, don't get up and run out on me. Come on now. This, this, I'm just telling you, this is a, a very big key in the area of resistance, okay? He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, okay? Now, that just means one that's, that's yielding to sin. That's all it is. It literally, um, the word itself, let's see if I got that here on this one, uh, but it refers to, um, somebody that makes a habit of sinning, okay? In other words, they keep at it. They, they pra- literally means to practice sin, okay? So what it, now, for whatever it's worth, James 4, verse 17, I think it's one of the references I think I might have put back there, but it just says, basically says this, that sin is to know to do good and not to do it. So it ain't like God's asking you to do something you don't know nothing about. So what we're talking about is things you already know about. Is anybody hearing me? Well, you know, talking about sin isn't always fun. And uh, but what he's talking about is things you already know about. You know when you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing. Is anybody hearing me? You know you probably shouldn't say that, but you're going to do it anyway. You know you shouldn't act that way, but you're going to do it anyway. Right? Come on. I want to. I know I shouldn't do this, but I want to get this off my chest. Well, nobody wants, to, wants a piece of that. But come on, somebody. All I'm saying is sometimes what happens is uh, this is talking about somebody that's crossing lines and is okay with crossing lines. Okay? The first John 5, I don't know if I gave you that one or not. First John 3, actually, verse 4, it just says it really brings out that sin is lawlessness. And what that means is, is you already kind of know the parameters. You already know the boundaries, but you choose not to, to go within those boundaries. So it becomes now a lawless situation. So the point I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring us up. Okay, sin is about knowing. You already know. It ain't something that, you know, I did something, I made a mistake, I didn't know. No, it's about knowing. You, you, see, if we, would just, if we would just say, all right, I refuse to cross that line anymore. Right. What you've done now is you've just made a decision to resist your enemy. Because the enemy is trying to uh, taunt you, intimidate you, trying to tempt you. 
trying to pull you under something because he knows that every time you yield to that, it's another inroad. He has another place to come in. Right. And he's, he's always looking for a place. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to touch on a few other references here, but uh, the Spirit of God brought this to my attention. He said, he said uh, I, don't, I don't tell my people how to live because I'm a control freak. I tell my people how to live for two main reasons. I know there's more, but there's two main reasons. Number one, because of my love for mankind. And number two, not to give the enemy place. Now I choose, and hopefully you do too, choose to live the guidelines, those things that God places out there that shows us how to, we choose to live that for the same two reasons. Because of our love for God, and because we don't want to give the enemy place. Right, that's good. The reason we live clean is to keep the devil out of our business. Amen. The word purify in this verse, verse 8 of James 4, it means, uh, again, to purify yourself, to make clean to sanctify literally means then to set apart or make different. Now, the point we're making is this, is both of these, this cleansing, this purifying, is about a choice that you make. God isn't going to force any of you to live clean. Has anybody figured that out yet? Okay, if you want to go say it, he ain't, there it is. If you're going to go do it, you're going to go live it, you're going to go not do whatever, whatever that's, that, you make that choice. Is anybody hearing me? One of the great examples of is the prodigal son is a perfect example of the heart of the father. The prodigal son, bless God, wants, I want my inheritance, I want it now, and he goes out and he, he gets crazy with it. The father didn't follow. The father waved as he went out the gate, but the father was also still standing there with arms open wide when he came back. It's a great example of the heart of father because you have a choice. If you want to go out and live whatever, that's your choice. But understand, okay, it doesn't change the fact God is in love with you, and it doesn't change the fact that that becomes a place now for the enemy to come in. So what we try to do is do our best to live what we should live. And again, it's talking about things you already know. We're not asking you to know all the scriptures. We're not saying you better know what everything on the list is, and you better do it right now. What we're saying is there are certain things you already know in your life, certain things you already know in your heart. There's certain things that you know, you know when you're crossing a line. Is anybody hearing me? Yeah. I'm going to ask you that a lot. And some of you are probably saying, yes, you do. Yes, I'm going to ask you that a lot. Are you hearing me? Because it isn't, God isn't asking you to live something you have no, no clue about. He's talking about little things he's already talked to you about. When you're about ready to open your mouth and you know, shut thy mouth. And you do it anyway. Guess what? You just gave the enemy some place here. Okay? And that's why a lot of times and all hell breaks loose at home or whatever situation we're talking about, things like that. How about attitudes? Even this thing when it's talking about purifying your heart, it's talking about motives and attitudes and all that kind of stuff. Man, there are times God, has God ever talked to anybody in here about your attitude? Am I the only one? Has God ever talked to anybody in this house about their attitude? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Sometimes I just wish he'd get off my back. Somebody says, oh, well, I just said what you were thinking. You know as well as I do, sometimes, you know, God's talking to you. You know, yeah, things starting to rise up in you, and the Spirit of God is saying, whoa, simmer down, cowboy. But we want to, I don't care, Rah! and then we go, oh, my gosh, uh, how come all hell broke loose? Oh, my gosh, uh, how come uh, I'm having issues now? Are you with me? Yeah. Well, maybe we could have, uh, you know, followed, you know, when God was trying to lead. When God was talking about that thing. Whew. I know you probably never have to deal with this, but I do. Passion Translation says, cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure, amen, and stop doubting. No wavering. The Message Translation says, quit dabbling in sin 
Purify your inner, inner life and quit playing the field. The New Living Translation says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. He says, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now, the reason it says that is because the word double-minded in this verse 8 means two-spirited or vacillating, which means wavering or faltering or fickle. Literally means to be fair-weathered. A lot of fair-weathered Christians. Well, listen, I'm not condemning anybody. It's just the facts. What happens a lot of times, depending on the issue, depending on the circumstance, depending on the pressure, okay, we have a tendency to yield to some things. Nobody's condemning anybody here. But the point is this, okay, what happens is when, you, when you're fickle, say when you're two-spirited, Okay, you're up one minute when everything's good, then all of a sudden when the pressure's on, you're cowering and you're yielding to things. Don't you think the enemy knows that? So what happens is, see, he just puts enough pressure on you to get you to cower. Well, you know, I wouldn't say anything evil if, if they wouldn't stop doing that. Well, all it was is enough pressure was on you for you now to say something you knew in your heart you probably shouldn't have said. Or acted in a way you shouldn't have acted. Or responded in a way you shouldn't respond. So the point is this. We were back and forth. We waver. And all that happens is we just let the enemy in again. Well, you know, I'm justified. No, you're not. No, you're not. Nobody's making light of what you're dealing with. Nobody's saying that what you're up against right now isn't a, you know, a miserable thing. But nobody's justified in crossing the lines and letting the devil in. Are you going to come back next week? Some of you are wondering, man, I wish I wouldn't have came this week. Uh, But we have a tendency, see, to waver. See, we think just because enough pressure's on, we're okay to say that. We're okay to act that way. We're okay to be that way. We're okay to yield to that. And the problem is, see, the enemy just knows. See, he has an inroad. He knows. All I got to do is put enough pressure on you. That's why earlier, you know, in, in the service here and even last week I talked about it. Man, you know, when you start making a stand for God, understand this. Here he comes. Here comes the enemy to put pressure on you. Do you mean that? Are you going to stand? Because all he has to do is just create enough pressure and you go, oh, I knew this Jesus stuff never works. I mean, I was trying. Well, how, how's, that do, how's that working? Well, Pastor, you're, you're picking on No, I'm not. I'm not picking on him. I'm just telling you, this is how the enemy works. The word says, do not be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. That means we need to know these things. That when the pressure comes on, understand you're probably doing the right thing. When you made a decision to stand, hallelujah, and believe God in something, understand when that pressure comes, just say, praise God, hallelujah. I must be, I must be pushing forward, hallelujah. Well, stay with it. Face your enemy. Press on through. Get a victory. Get a notch on the belt so you got something else to say. Hey, devil, remember last week when you did that? What happened? Oh, I know what happened. God got a victory. Oh, oh, you're going to try me again this week? Oh, yeah, let's see how that works for you. People say, I wouldn't do that. Listen, you have authority and dominion over the enemy. He's just a big mouth. He's a big mouth. We talked about last week about dealing with bullies. Well, all the enemy is is a bully. Put him in his place. Shove the sword of the spirit right up his nose. Listen, you need victories. The way to a victory is staying with it. You don't cower because the pressure's on. People say, well, you just don't understand, Pastor. Listen, listen, listen. Don't tell me. Go to God. That's why you submit to God. That's why you draw near to God. And then you go to God and you say, God... This is quite a bit of pressure. You go, I know. Just let me empower you here. Let me strengthen you here. Here, Here's here's that grace you've been in. Here's that that divine influence upon your heart right now so it can be reflected in your life. Here you go. Here's here's the wisdom that you need. 
Here's what you should do. This is how you should stand against this. Just speak the word of God about this. Say this. Quote this. Declare this. What's happening? God's leading you in your area of resistance. And all of a sudden, you turn around, you take care of it. Bang! The enemy's backing out the door. All right. You still with me? Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you... If you're, good, if you're good receivers today, we'll get through this in one service. <laughs> All right. No, amen. We're, we're going to get this, right? Come on now. Okay, here's the verse we, we, we talked about earlier. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. All right? Everybody say, don't give place to the devil. All right. Now, let's just define that real quick, and then I'm going to back up here and read more of this. All right. The word here, to neither give place, I think is how the, might be like how uh, the old King James is defined. Uh, the new King James says, nor give place. Okay, so uh, the word here, to give, means to grant or yield or submit. To give consent or give power to. So who's giving power to the enemy then here? Anybody hearing me? See, if it says don't give place to the enemy, it means that there's a possibility you could be. Is that, are you still with me? Now, I'd rather focus on the fact that we not give him place. Amen. But the point is this, okay, what it's saying is it literally means to give place or to give, that word there literally means to yield or submit or give consent or power to, okay? So we, in choices and decisions that we make, as we're going to read through a bunch of this here, is through that kind of stuff, we give place, we submit to the enemy. No, you're not supposed to submit to the enemy. You're supposed to resist the enemy. Okay, we submit to God and resist the enemy. That's why it says don't submit yourself and give him place. Now, the word place uh, is a word, uh, literally topos, where you get like a topical map or some kind of, it's talking about location, ground, but it's talking about a foothold, opportunity. I don't know if there's any other words here. Um, Advantage, remember the fact that we use that, I think one of our services we talked about, about giving the enemy advantage. This is what it's talking about. We don't, we don't want to give the enemy advantage. We don't want to give him uh, an opportunity. We don't want to give him a foothold, a place. In fact, um, some of the other translations, I think the Amplified says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil, nor give opportunity to him. The Passion says, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Now, I thought that was pretty good, and the reason being because what happens when you cross the lines. Now, we give him place, but what happens, though, when we give him place? He condemns. He, he uses it against you. Okay? He manipulates you with it. See, he gets you to fall, and then he goes, oh, my gosh, and you fell? Oh, and you call yourself a Christian. Oh, I guess you can't live this. I guess you can't walk this. I guess you just don't know how to do this. I guess God just can't do it. I guess God's not big enough. I just guess, oh, my gosh. Anybody hear me? Has anybody ever heard that mess? I've heard that mess. Anybody ever heard that mess? Okay. And so what it is, see, is he, what he's looking to do is manipulate you through it. So he gets a place. He gets a foothold. He kind of digs in there, and then he uses that to get you to yield to other things. You ever heard of blackmail? Yes. The purpose of blackmail is basically to control the other individual through a thing called blackmail. So what you do is you hold something they've done in their face or whatever, whatever the error was, whatever the mistake was, or whatever the, the sin was, or whatever the decision was that wasn't right, they hold it in your face and they try to leverage you with it. It's called blackmail. It goes on all the time. So what the enemy tries to do with, with, with uh, you know, when you give him a place, he uses it as leverage to blackmail you with it. Right. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give the devil place. Okay, so let's back up here. Let's look at some of this because it brings out here in chapter uh, 4, just back up. Let's like verse 17. It says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Remember, he's talking to the church. This is the church at Ephesus. He says, don't walk like you used to walk. That's all he's saying. Okay, things change here. 
He said, don't, don't walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And the word Gentile just means one without God. So at one time you were without God, right? Come on, in fact, a chapter or two earlier, he talks about the fact that you were once without God, aliens uh, you know, from the commonwealth of Israel, come on, and, and strangers to the covenants of promise. He said, because at one time you didn't know those things. But he said, it's not the same no more. You're not that person no more. You're different now. You're connected to what God has to offer. You're in the covenants of God now. Amen. You're a part of the commonwealth. You're now a part of a household of faith. You're part of a family of God, the kingdom of life. You're a different person now. You're not who you were. So we don't walk like that person anymore. That's what he's saying. Now remember, why is God telling us these things? Because of his love for you and because he doesn't want the enemy to have place in your life. Because he knows what he does. Remember Jesus, I think John 14 and 30, I believe it is, uh, Jesus said that the, the God of this world is here and he comes after me, but he has, no, he has nothing in me, he said. He's got nothing in me. No, it literally means no place or no hold. He's got nothing in me. Why does he have nothing? Because I don't give him a place. I don't give him a place. He, he's got nothing on me. He's got nothing to grab. Have you ever, in a fair or something, done the grease pig thing? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, you, yeah, they, they, they turn that little piglet loose and they grease it up real good. And they said, whoever catches the piglet gets to keep the piglet. I know this is really a horrible analogy, but, but let's... Okay, and so they shoot it loose, and everybody's chasing and falling and jumping and diving and trying to grab it. And every time they get a hold of it, it's like nothing. It's like it just slides through your hands. Weak, 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 weak. Have you ever been one of them? And then you, all you just end up doing is you got stuff all over you. You've been chasing this thing around. Well, anyway, so the point is. Jesus said, he has nothing on me. He can't grab me. He's got nothing to hold. No foothold, no hold, no place. He has nothing on me. Even when he comes, the word even said at one time he came, but he had to leave for a better opportunity. He never had the opportunity until Jesus was ready to lay down his life. But the point he's trying to make is this. I don't give him place. So he's got nothing on me. See, what we want to do is get to the same kind of place in our life if we, as we submit to God, as we yield to God and draw near to God. We want to get to the place where the enemy has no hold on us. He can't slither in there and hold on. He can't grab you about something and then shove it in your face or condemn you with it or black, blackmail, with, uh, blackmail you with it. Okay. So... Let's don't walk like we used to. It says in the uh, futility of their mind. And it just uh, literally, it's just talking about um, that word it literally means unsuccessful. Okay, in other words, a mind that's not thinking right is what he's talking about. Having their understanding, verse 18. Now I'm back in Ephesians 4. Are you still with me? Am I kind of all over the map here a little bit, right? Are you still with me? Having their understanding darkened. Okay, so in other words, we don't walk like that anymore. That just literally means those that are in the shadows or in the dark that don't understand something. It says then, it says being alienated from the life of God. That word alienated just means a non-participant. So what he's saying is this, that if you're going to walk like they did, even though you don't have to, but you walk like that, then you become now an alien from, from everything that you're called to. You're no longer a, a participant of what you're, what you're called to. See, when you walk like that, you've just let the enemy in, and now you have, you have all this that's available, the life of God that's available to you, that you don't get to partake of because you're too busy letting the enemy in. Anybody hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. Ben, there's, we're not condemning anybody. We're just saying, listen, don't be ignorant of how this enemy works. You know, he, you know, you should partake of this tree because... You know, God's just trying to hold back on you. Because you know, God's just concerned. You're going you're gonna to have all and know all that he has and knows. Was that accurate? See, somehow convinced her, okay, and him, he was right there, convinced them that they didn't have access to everything. That everything that was God's was already theirs. 
and try to convince them, amen, of the fact that they aren't who they are. So what happens is he deceived them, they yielded to it, and then the very thing that they had, they lost everything they had access to. Anybody hearing me? And all because of a deception. Well, that's what he's talking about in this here in, in, in Ephesians 4. He's dealing with, he says, you don't, you don't want to miss out on what God has for you just by following some, some little deceptive, manipulative thing, getting caught up under, walking like you used to walk. No, 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 you're bigger than that. You're higher than that. You're, 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 you're a child of the Most High, praise God. And then it goes on, because of the ignorance that is in them, look at this, uh, because of the blindness of their heart. So again, talking about, uh, you know, the... Uh, the Gentiles. In other words, they're all that way because of the fact they are ignorant to things. They are blind to things. But he says, you don't have to be. Who being past feeling, and there's a whole bunch here, so let me kind of speed through some of this. Uh, who being past feeling, okay, really talking about hardness or callousness, okay, have given themselves over to lewdness, which that word just lasciviousness, uh, licentiousness is another word, just means no restraint, okay, having no restraint. Okay, so in other words, little by little, you're yielding this stuff. Now you're in a place you have no restraint. And to work all in cleanness with greediness, none of this is good, right? But you have not so learned Christ, right? This is not who you are. If indeed you have heard, uh, heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ, right, or in Jesus, that you put off, here we go, that you put off concerning your formal conduct, the old man. Everybody say the old man. Everybody's trying to resurrect the old man. Put the, let, call that, let that old man die. Put it in the coffin and bury that sucker. Right? The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, lusts pardon me, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, stay connected and that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is how you're called to live, right? Put, everybody say, put on the new man. Okay, so again, but, but see, it is a process, right? Come on. See, just like renewing the mind's a process, okay? God ain't saying you, have, you know everything and you should know everything. He's just saying, listen, there's certain things that you're growing and you're learning. Walk in that, praise God. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his name. Now, we could probably spend a, a day on every one of these things. Am I right? Somebody say, praise the Lord, we're not. Okay? But the point is this. It's, it's a list that nobody really wants to walk in. Are you with me? So, you know, but it just says here, okay, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, uh, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Some things do make you angry. And the last thing you want to do is cross a line and do something you shouldn't. Come on. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, uh, that he may have something uh, to, to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Uh, you know, it touches a lot of areas here, right? Uh, but what is good for necessary edification, or speak good words, right? That it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom uh, you are sealed, uh, with the day or for the day of redemption, let all bitterness, okay, that just means poisonous, come bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, come on, evil speaking, uh, be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There, somebody quote it back to me. <laughs> Say, wow, pastor. That's a lot of stuff. It's probably not your refrigerator verse. I get it. But the point he's trying to say is this, you know, just, man, just purpose to not give the enemy place. Okay? When, when you know in your heart you're crossing a line, stop and say, you know what? I know better than that. I, I'm just going to shut up. I don't need to do that. I don't need to say that. I don't need to act that way. Uh, you know, uh, early on in my walk, uh, one of the things, um, does anybody like repenting? Does anybody like um, Does anybody like telling somebody sorry, or, or telling somebody, uh, for, or ask somebody to forgive you? <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. You were right. Nobody. Does anybody love saying that? No. Nobody does. But you know, sometimes you have to do those things. 
early on, in order to get, get a hold of this and walk this where I'm going to live clean, that means I got to stop doing with my mouth what I used to do with my mouth. I got to stop acting like I used to act. I got to stop, uh, you know, with the attitudes that I used to have. Somebody says, oh, pastor. So, so what I had to do is, you know, sometimes I wasn't, maybe I was just thick-headed. I, I don't know. It could have been. Okay, I didn't quite pick up on what he was saying until after I did it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever dealt with that. Um, but, you know, I'm going along, and, I, and, you know, the Spirit of God's tugging on your heart saying, Yo, brakes, hold it. Come on, bud, slow her down. And I get about three steps away, and the Spirit of God goes, Go back and make it right. Oh! Uh, excuse me. They're looking at you like, I was wrong. I should not have acted that way. I should have not have said that. It was wrong for me to respond that way. Will you forgive me? Say, Pastor, I really got to do that? That's what I had to do to curb this mess. Because it was just out of control. So in order to curb it, I had to be willing to do some of that because, why? Because it marks you. Because nobody likes to go around saying, will you forgive me? I was wrong again. I opened my big mouth again. I said something I should have never said. Is anybody hearing me? My thought was, see, my, my was kind of like reverse psychology. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it was like, you know, and I, I hate to maybe say it that way, but that's kind of because it was like, you know, the enemy used everything I did against me. So I thought, okay, before he can do that, right, I'm going to get rid of that or I'm going to put it back in his face. So then when he comes in, he says, yeah, you, well, no, wait a minute. I, I made that right. Praise the Lord. Now it's under the blood. Praise the Lord. Ah, I'm the righteousness of God and. I'm forgiven, praise God. I'm accepted, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pretty soon the devil just goes, man, I can't use that on him. Man, let's see, let's try this over here. Is anybody hearing me? Okay, anyway, is that, is that helping anybody? All right, let's, let's uh, anyway, let's go uh, First John. First John real quick. First John chapter 5. Let me read something here. I thought they'd be worthy of reading this before I let you go. First uh, John 5, verse 18. It says, we know that uh, whoever is born of God does not sin. That literally means the practice of sin again. There's that word again. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. That's right. Does hear me? It's the same what we're talking about. See, if you will keep yourself, that word here, just, just for the record, means to guard or keep an eye on or a, an eye upon uh, to prevent, withhold, maintain, or preserve. Now, what it's just talking about is if you learn to kind of keep some things in check, then what happens, the enemy has nothing on you now. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Anybody, anybody in agreement with that? Huh? And, um, well, anyway. Okay, so uh, verse 19. We know, that we, are, uh, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, is anybody hearing that? I mean, he's always out there doing stuff. And, and you notice it said the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Okay, so, well, sometimes when things happen, understand it's the world under the sway of the wicked one. So be cautious about what you get, you know, you know, intimidated or antagonized or uh, tempted with. Are you hearing me? Okay, so you got you to watch it, keep, keep in some of that in check. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us uh, an understanding. It literally means uh, a faculty or an ability. Amen. It's talking about a, a sense of... Um, of wisdom, kind of a wisdom thing, and that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Now, remember, eternal life is defined in 
John 17, I think it's like around verse 3, he says, This is eternal life that you may know the one true God and the one in whom he sent. So, that, so eternal life doesn't start when you get to heaven. Eternal life started when you made Jesus Lord of your life. Amen. So he's talking about a, a perpetual, zoe, absolute life, quality of life that you're called to. Are, are you hanging with me on this? Come on. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You think, well, man, amen. Well, the word idol here just means the image of or a copy of, okay? Um, the New Living says, uh, says it this way, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The message says, be on guard against all clever facil- uh, facil- I don't know if I say that right, facilities. No. That's it. What is it? See, I shouldn't even put it in there. But it just means a, a substitute. Okay, copies, things. Now, the reason that's necessary, I think maybe even the Amplified might even use the word substitute in there. Now, the reason that's important is because he's just saying again, watch out because there's a lot of things out there trying to deceive you and pull you under, to sucker punch you somehow, pull something under, get you to yield to it. That's what it's talking about. Now, they, why they put the word idol, I don't know, but, but uh, that's what they did. And, and, but it just means literally there's things out there all the time trying to somehow entice you, thinking, well, maybe this is a God thing, or maybe not, or maybe whatever, and it tries to pull you under, get you pulled under it. So the point being made with this is keep yourself in check. Don't let yourself get out of control. And that's why, you know, when we said earlier, sometimes the the reason of the casting the care is because everything's trying to weigh on you trying to somehow push you, pressure you, somehow get you overwhelmed, get you overcome, somehow somehow bringing you under it because what it's trying to do is to get you so wore out, so tired, so overwhelmed that he just slides something else in. Next thing you know, you're saying something you wouldn't have said or you're doing something you wish you wouldn't have done. Come on, somebody. This is how this stuff works. Say, Pastor, you're freaking me out. I'm trying to wake you up. Because all the enemy's looking for is a foothold. He's looking for a way to get in. So, all these kind of things, he says, because of his love for you and because he doesn't want you to have, give the enemy place. And the reason we follow it and submit to it and yield to him, talking about to God, okay, is because our love for God and because we don't want the enemy to have place. Amen. So, did you get something today? Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.